Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jeremy West. He is co-founder and CEO of East Coast Herbalist. We're going to talk to him about what's going on in the Massachusetts market, what's going on with medical. We're going to talk a little bit about the interplay between medical and adult use and you know how states have kind of navigated these waters. But I'm excited for this. I think um, you know obviously the medical side is where a lot of the industry started, and we've evolved much of that, but it's still a huge part of the industry. A big part of why we have a cannabis industry today is because of the medical applications, benefits, and so really kind of understanding where are we with, with, with that side of the market is really important. With that, Jeremy, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Bruce. I appreciate it. I'm excited to chat here. Yeah. So let's start with background. How did you get into cannabis? What was the story? I always find that there's, there's always an interesting journey people have been on. Uh, tell us yours. Yeah. You know what? Interesting is an understatement. And, um, you know, I've, I've been a healthcare professional uh, working in various parts of the industry for 10, 10 or more years, uh, starting in behavioral health 
and sort of meandering through a few different areas where, you know, you get this lens of our healthcare system. And I've had the opportunity to work for insurance companies, for pharmaceutical companies as a consultant, and in um, hospital and medical management. So, you know, my background is specifically in neurology, which really had a, you know, a big application of cannabis products for things like epilepsy and multiple sclerosis. So, it's something that I'm passionate about and I'm a huge advocate for. And that's kind of what we pride ourselves on, kind of, you know, really incorporating the medical aspect of everything hemp derived. Yeah. And give us a quick synopsis of how the medical program developed in, in Massachusetts. When How has it played out? Yeah. You know, it was interesting because it had been kicked around for quite some time and Rhode Island went legal in terms of adult medical use in 2006. My business partner, you know, his father was someone who struggled with some health concerns. He had uh, post-polio and he became a grower just for his father for own personal use. Rhode Island was a little bit ahead of Massachusetts in that aspect. When Massachusetts finally went medical years later, you know, it was having other states like Colorado, California, and states like Rhode Island that were here in the Northeast that were ahead of them. But I think they did a pretty good job at, you know, trying to roll it out in a way that benefited patients in the way that benefited the state. And, um, you know, it sort of evolved quickly because it also came up on the ballot for recreational use and passed. And Massachusetts also has, um, you know, a recreational program where anyone over the age of 21 can go into the dispensary and buy products, whether they're for medical or for recreational use. Yeah. And tell us, I mean, I, I, as these programs have kind of evolved and play out, how have they impacted each other? Because I, I think, you know, on one hand, it's the same problem. Well, I mean, we could argue that, but <laughs> it's more or less the same products or certainly the same underlying plant derived substances, you know, but you're talking at least on the surface, very different kind of applications or intentions. I mean, how, give us your kind of take on how these programs have coexisted, how have they impacted each other? Yeah, and you know, it's an interesting thing because I think there's generally two schools of thought that come about and some people are firm believers in the medical applications of it and some people, even in the healthcare space, they believe it's, yeah, okay, there's a medical application for it, but really people just are having their doctors sign off so they can smoke legal pot. That's not the case for a lot of the folks that I worked with in neurology specifically. I think that, you know, especially with the known uses with epileptics and the significant improvements people were seeing with seizures specifically, you know, it opened the eyes to the medical community. Now, in terms of how they coexist, you know, on a state level, I think every state does it differently and they kind of roll out their own programs. But here in Massachusetts, the dispensaries are kind of mixed. Some are medical and recreational and some are strictly medical or strictly recreational. And to me, the only thing that really is different is that the medical piece, you know, subsidizes it a little bit in terms of the patient's cost and the taxes that are, you know, the dispensary is hit with for the sale of these products. So the end product is a little bit cheap for people that have a medical card versus someone who just walks in off the street, you know, and there's that brings up another thing where realistically the market in Massachusetts, it's very easy to go out and get a medical card. You can find a, a physician. There's a handful of places that take cash payment. You go in and 
as far as they can tell, if you, you have any sort of pain issue, you don't need extensive medical records, they're going to certify you. Whereas, you know, the doctors that are simply treating it medical and not really looking to have it be like a revenue stream for them, they're just certifying the patients that are most appropriate from what their examination might uncover in terms of using cannabis for a specific reason. It seems like it goes both ways, right? You have people that get a medical card that either don't really have a qualifying condition or really not doing it for medical side so that they can smoke legal pot. But then you also have people who have very non-trivial medical issues that use a recreational or adult use dispensary, a non-medical dispensary, to get product to treat their you know, anxiety and sleep issues and things like that. Like It, it seems like both sides have the other side <laughs> in, in them. Yeah, they absolutely do. And I think when it comes down to it, the consumers that are a little more experienced, whether it's a medical use or not, they realize, okay, if I go and spend X amount of dollars at the dispensary, it makes sense for me to pay 200 bucks to get a medical card because I'm saving money in the long term if your yeah. source of getting these products is, you know, the dispensaries that are in the state here. Yeah. You know, and there's so many things that kind of bounce either way. But yeah, I know a lot of doctors that, you know, I used to actually run an, an MS clinic down outside of Boston and they certify patients there for free. It's no extra cost. It's But there are people that have significant conditions and a lot of times they've exhausted lots of other treatment options and they're just not, they're either out of additional treatment options or they're just yeah. looking for something that's a little bit low risk that can help them alleviate you know, things like spasticity related to MS or pain mm-hmm. issues, anxiety issues. But that's also, we see that presenting a problem too, because most healthcare providers, they go to medical school, they don't learn about the endocannabinoid system and how mm-hmm. cannabis interacts with your body. Their, their education a lot of times comes from their training in the hospitals through fellowship and the the sort of clinical rotations that they're in, but pharmaceutical companies are the ones providing that education. So there's, yeah. they have a little skin in the game to say, well, you know, here's the disease state and here's the treatment option. And by the way, our drug works really great with this. So a lot of physicians are a little nervous about suggesting or even certifying someone because they don't know enough about it and they're essentially sending them off to figure it out. There's no sure. um, exact product that they can say, here's what I want you to take. It's just sort of up to the patient and up to the dispensary to guide them in the right way. And tell us about that, because it is odd (laughs) in terms of how this process works. Like I've I've got a condition, I go see a physician, they say, okay, yes, you have this condition which qualifies you for a medical card. I then go and got my medical card, I receive the card, and then I go to this dispensary and I talk to the person behind the counter or at the dispensary to help me navigate the product. But it's it seems very disjointed, I guess, from a treatment continuity, a, a treatment efficacy point of view, that you know, how this ends up playing out for a patient. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I gotta be honest with you, when I was planning on sort of exiting the healthcare space and segueing into the cannabis industry, that really was the thing that drew me in where there was this huge disconnect between physicians that were certifying these 
folks and, and giving them access to what they were looking at, like a medicine, but they weren't able to give them any sort of recommendation on, hey, what type of product, what dosage. Physicians don't study like what strains and what terpenes are going to have what effects. And, yeah. you know, am I going to use a concentrate versus a tincture versus an edible? How am I going to dose this? It's literally like, let me sign you off. And, you know, we're just going to trust the dispensary to sort of go and give you the right product. So that's where our company in the space, we wanted to make our mark there to say, you know what, let's leverage our relationships in the healthcare network around New England. Let's work with these physicians to say, hey, we can help you understand and get more educated to these products. But, you know, you can also send patients to us knowing that this is something that we care about and that we can help guide patients. So obviously we're on the the hemp side. We're limited in terms of what we can offer and sell patients. But many times patients will come see us and we might end up saying, hey, you know what? There's a dispensary locally. This is the product you want to look for. This is why, you know, it might be helpful to you and you should go talk to them about it. We want to share that so that the patient ends up getting, you know, the best outcome possible for whatever use they're trying to get out of it, you know? Yeah. And talk to us a little bit about the decision to kind of stay in the CBD world, the hemp CBD world. I mean, was this strategic? Was this what was available? Why that niche and how have you sort of strategically decided to play that? Sure. So a lot of it, I got to be honest with you, a lot of it came down to regulatory things and the long process of licensure that happens in, you know, I can speak for Massachusetts and knowing, you know, what the process is to uh, find a host community and work with the municipality on zoning. And there's all these things that you have to do before you can even submit an application to the state for consideration. And you know, a lot of what we were seeing was, we call it big canna around here, the big money Mm -hmm. investors from out of state and they're, you know, throwing a bunch of money at it. And, you know, it might take them two years to navigate the process just to get the license in the right place where they can eventually open the doors on a business. So for us, we're longtime cannabis advocates as well. I think Mm -hmm. the logical step in terms of expediency was to say, let's start with CBD products and we can sell them over the counter. There's no licensure required since we're not actually growing the products. And, you know, it was just the easier route for us. And, you know, the bottom line is we we see tons of medical value in that route. There are many patients that, you know, go and get a medical card because they enjoy recreationally using cannabis, but there are also some that are very concerned about, you know, the the adverse side effects that cannabis presents in terms of intoxication and sedation. And it's no different than any other medicine. So CBD was a good balance of, hey, there's a lot of therapeutic value here without the associated high related to smoking or ingesting a THC product. Yeah, no, exactly. And how in terms of the products that you carry, formats, things like that, any particular focus, or we kind of have this joke that you know, if there's a hole or a surface, we'll figure out how to get cannabis in it. But how have you kind of looked at these different? Because there's so many different modalities, and they have different implications, and you know, complications, and you know, ease of use. Break it down for us in terms of where you focused. Yeah, that's a great question, and you know, I'll kind of allude to something that happened recently with all the sort of uh, the COVID outbreak and yeah. everything that's been happening. We were seeing, like you said 
said, right? If it has a hole in there and a surface that you can throw CBD on, we can do yeah. that and we can upcharge for any product at this point. Yeah. That was the general feel of the industry. And we were seeing lots of companies in the space where, you know, you're seeing things on Amazon go quickly um, sold like hand sanitizer. So we were seeing yeah. companies start to say, okay, let's throw some CBD extract in hand sanitizer and we'll upcharge people for, you know, these products. And when my partners and I had sort of (laughs) seen those things and discussed it, we said, one, we don't want to capitalize off of this type of environment with everything going on. It just wasn't the right thing to do. And it was like, when we're developing products, we're really considering what the end use is and what like a specific use for the patient would be. So with us, we have an e-commerce site. It's really geared around education. We want to help educate consumers so that they understand, you know, the differences between the products and what's going to be really best suited for whatever use they have in mind. And we also have a retail location in Rhode Island. And one of the things that we had started down was when we first launched our products, we had partnered with a lab and some farms locally to us. It's, you know, two hours away in another state, but in Vermont, in Southern Vermont, Mm -hmm. we went there for the agriculture. They're very, they're on top of that. They're really sort of forefront in the Northeast in the cannabis industry. Um, But also the quality, everything's organically grown. It's, It's just, we know what was going in our products. And that was the original starting point where we're like, okay, let's manufacture and make our own custom products and we'll sell those. And, you know, that went really well with the typical products you see on the market, like tinctures and topical products, um, Mm -hmm. even vape products. I know vape kind of has this stigma attached to it because of everything that happened, but there's a very real medical use and an application for those types of products. Now, as we grew, we also realized that a lot of people were, you know, are asking about a physical location because they wanted to come in and they wanted to talk to somebody face to face and have like like a consultation to help, you know, sort of guide them one on one with them. And at that point, we decided to switch gears a little bit. And we said, okay, we're going to open a retail location. But instead of just selling our products, we were going to vet out some of the best brands across the country. And that criteria was not based on how big or small or known or unknown they were. It was mm-hmm. getting products in our hands, testing them, scrutinizing all the lab results, making sure everything was quality, and trying all these products ourselves. And also giving them to some of our customers to say, hey, here's a brand we're thinking of bringing on. You know, try this product. We're very interested in your feedback. And we were able to sort of handpick a number of products that landed on our shelves, not because of the name they had, but because of the use we had in mind. So everything from other cannabinoids like um, CBN and CBG to beverages and edible products, not because they tasted great, but because from our perspective, if someone's going to have success using CBD products, it's going to be because they're consistently using them. And if someone can't tolerate an oil, whether it's a consistency thing or a taste thing, there's teas, there's beverages, there's edibles that they can make it easy for them to consume and not miss a day here and there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, it seems like a, a lot of this stuff is you have to be consistent with the application. You know, taking it for for two or three days and declaring failure because it didn't do anything. Unfortunately, it doesn't work in in a lot of these kind of applications. We've seen that in a huge way in the industry too, because you know people will go. You know, every shop you can think of is selling the products from gas stations to convenience stores and smoke shops, and yeah. you know, not some of these smoke shops are probably some of the best places to buy it. Some of them are very knowledgeable, but others too. It's less of about guiding the customer, more of a business thing for them. So that just became extremely important of being hands-on and being able to give people better advice and, you know, really sort of take ownership of helping them get whatever health condition they're trying to deal with. You know, if we can help them manage it a little bit better by incorporating natural remedies, that was always our goal from day one. Yeah. Yeah. And as you see, I mean, I guess, you know, there's been a lot of drama, I guess, on the in, the in the CBD, the hemp CBD space in terms of, you know, production and overproduction and, you know, prices falling 80 percent and things like that. How has that impacted you on the retail side? I mean, it's, it's you know, that this availability of a lot of hemp last year. Is that helping you, hurting you? How does that affect the, the retail side? You know, it definitely affects it. And I think we had been hearing about prices getting driven down and the overabundance of yeah. processors and farms growing these you know crazy amounts of hemp and they weren't going to be able to sustain it because there just wasn't, you know, there was an oversupply. What we've seen and part of the strategy we took was instead of trying to compete with all these local and big CBD companies, we wanted to collaborate with these companies. Mm-hmm. How can we work together? How can we find products at, you know, all high quality, but at varying price points at varying types of products? So like we make full spectrum tinctures, but we carry big brands that have isolate tinctures because we have, you know, people that have a CDL and are truckers and that cannot fail a drug test. Yeah. So instead of trying to make all these products ourselves, we found reputable brands that make these products. We've been working a lot with a company out of Arizona that is doing Delta 8 tinctures. So it's like a Delta 8 one-to-one oh, with CBN. And I had been privy to some a colleague of mine who's upstate New York at a big headache clinic up there, one of the biggest in the country. And they're mm-hmm. seeing all sorts of great results with CBN specifically in migraine patients. Very preliminary, but they mm-hmm. run a, a top-notch research program up there. And you know these types of things that we sort of hear about first because we're in the cannabis industry. And then I share with my colleagues, hey, have you ever heard of Delta 8? You know, what are you seeing on this front? It's the opportunity to collaborate and, you know, hopefully further the research so that we understand that CBD for for treatment of medical stuff is just the tip of the iceberg and what cannabis can do. Yeah. Exactly. And where do you think what really needs to happen in the industry to evolve these things? Is it, is it research? Is it consumer education? I mean, where what's holding the industry back at this point? I think it's some of both of those things, really, because prohibition through the 1900s and, you know, it, it put the stigma on cannabis that it's it's a hard drug. It's no different than, 
you know, someone who's doing heroin or some other, you know, illicit substance. And while, you know, there are people that use it recreationally that don't really care about the medical aspect of it. That's not necessarily the case. The way it was portrayed was to be much more of a hard drug as opposed to, you know, the reality of it where it's like, hey, you know, no one's going to overdose on this. If bad side effects are happy, hungry and sleepy, then, um, you know, (laughs) it, it might be a problem for you. But you know, education to us is probably the most important. And it's not just to the consumer, it's to physicians and to the healthcare community. That stigma is, you know, as a professional that worked in healthcare for a long time, I can tell you that it was very hush hush if you use these products. You didn't want to talk about it. You didn't want people knowing because that kind of inferred that you were, you know, a lazy piece. You weren't, mm-hmm. you weren't a real professional. And it's like, I'm a user of these products and I'm, I'm a parent. I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. I try to conduct myself that way. And, you know, I hope people are able to see past just Oh, cannabis. Yeah, okay. Cheech and Chong over there, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, as we kind of, you know, evolve the industry and kind of deal with the historical culture and kind of the new evolution of culture around it, it's it's also bifurcating or, you know, trifurcating, you know, multifaceted now in that, I mean, I've, I see, you know, everything from the soccer mom, you know, the yoga person to sports folks are now really getting into this as, you know, a pain and recovery, you know, anti-inflammatory. You've got, you know, creative professionals that are using it in all sorts of ways to, you know, so like it's, I think one of the interesting things about the industry is it, it's becoming much more multifaceted. It's no longer this kind of, yeah, pot joint culture. How have you seen that play out or how have you addressed that in our parts of the market that you're more interested in or less interested in? Yeah, 100%. You know, I have two business partners that, you know, help co-found this business. And one of them was an amateur Golden Gloves boxer. He's a personal trainer. He's entrenched in the fitness world. And a lot of those folks, it's not about treating a medical condition. It's about, hey, I'm a power lifter and I, I need to have muscle recovery at an improved rate. So there's so much crossover in the athletic space. And, you know, we've seen some major U.S. sports organizations kind of okay it. I know the the UFC was embarking on some research with Aurora, yeah, I yeah. which I thought was fantastic because you have a lot of these guys that are, you know, playing a full contact sport, dealing with head injuries and residual symptoms from those things. And I think cannabis can be a really useful treatment for them in lieu or in combination with things like traditional medications like opiates and different pain management treatments that they use. But, you know, cannabis is so much more benign in terms of side effect profile. So from my perspective, it would be irresponsible for us not to explore that further and just keep, you know, especially the full contact guys, football players, hockey players. You know, we had so much stuff with, I was a hockey player growing up and you got guys that, you know, are suffering from CTE and all types of long-term symptoms. And it's like, you know, they're in their forties and fifties, barely able to like walk a straight line. And a lot of them end up having substance abuse problems because they get hooked on opiates from dealing with injuries throughout their career as a as a professional athlete. Yeah, we had uh, we actually had Riley Cote on the program a while ago from the NHL, and he was an enforcer for the Flyers. Yeah, and it was just, it was that story. I mean, he was basically using marijuana to self-medicate. I mean, he was dealing not only with the physical side of, you know, being in a sport and being in a full contact sport and being the full contact position in the full contact sport, but the emotional side of it, right? Like the stress of going into every game, being the enforcer, the fighter, you know, it's like 
that takes a toll. And to kind of wind down and deal with that and be able to go game after game on that, you know, he was using. I think he said he didn't he didn't appreciate exactly how it was working, but it was a it was part of his treatment plan. It's just it was it wasn't very well acknowledged or structured. And now seeing that it's as a big part of you know the industry and, and a lot of sports folks are you know are using it in that way. Yeah, and you know that's an area we want to continue to explore. My other business partner is in the, he comes from the beauty industry, and I think there's a lot of applications in that world as well. Everything from skin issues to hair and face skincare. Um, yeah. But you know, an area for us that kind of goes in line with what you were just saying is we are actively trying to connect with organizations related to veterans just because of the prevalence of mental health conditions that, you know, a lot of these vets, they come back from deployment and they're dealing with physical symptoms of, you know, a hard job that they do, but also the the mental and long lasting mental health issues um, related to post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety. And it's really an underserved population from our perspective. You know, I love my my healthcare colleagues, but the VA and the the current healthcare system that we have set up for veterans is really just not adequate. And, you know, the federal government has taken a very different stance on cannabis, especially the branches of the military. I hope that at some point we can break down those walls and really even do research with folks that are really struggling that are veterans, because I think that there could be a lot of benefit to that population. Yeah, no, I agree. And where, I mean, I guess in terms of, you know, product development and is there any area that you see right now in the kind of CBD or even in the in the THC space that you think is in need or is going to be really growing as kind of an early early area that you see could have a lot of future potential applications in terms of innovation on products and stuff in the space what are you noticing and what do you think is going to happen yeah that's a great question and one of the things i'm most excited about and as someone who's been around the cannabis industry kind of on the periphery even throughout my healthcare career you know you hear things from friends and colleagues that are you know in the lab and they're scientists and they're processors yeah. and i had heard you know probably about 2 years going strong they were doing some conversion in the lab from Delta 9 THC to Delta 8. And they were able to produce these products that had very similar therapeutic benefits as, you know, Delta 9 THC being the thing that makes you intoxicated when you smoke Mm -hmm. marijuana. Delta 8 is an isomer and it is, again, similar therapeutic value to Delta 9, but fraction of the intoxication that comes with it. So in terms (laughs) of all all the benefit without the high. Exactly. And, you know, there is a little bit of an intoxication. It's more clear headed. It's less lethargy and, you know, sitting on the couch and being sort of spacey and Mm -hmm. more, hey, I can sleep really well with this. I can function normally and use these products, which in the past for physicians has been an issue with drugs like Marinol and the synthetic cannabinoids. The issues they were having was, yes, we can address someone who is a cancer patient and, and doesn't have an appetite or has nausea and we can give them these products, but they're having such sedative uh, qualities that they can't really function. It's like you're giving them a pain a pain medicine. Yeah. Delta 8 to me has that potential of being like, you know, that is what the physicians consider an adverse effect, right? Some people enjoy that about cannabis. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, I'm going to sit on the couch and, and just, you know, laugh at the TV. But from a 
physician perspective, if they can get a similar benefit without that intoxication, that's just a highly sought after thing. And when I talk to my physician colleagues, when I tell them about Delta 8, they're like, who, what? It just hasn't even really entered the realm of medicine yet. But I think that that's going to be one of the things that a couple years, a year or two down the road, we're going to see as a huge thing in the medical industry. Yeah, I would agree. Kind of figuring out where the customer needs are, where the future needs are for the industry, and then innovating on products on that. Yeah, ex- um, exactly. If I gave you a magic wand and you know you could change anything about the industry right now, what's something that you would change that you think would really help us develop cannabis and, and push us forward as an industry? You know, I would honestly say that I wish that we would get some guidance from the federal government on these products. Uh, And I know on a state level, it varies from state to state. So we have a retail store in Rhode Island, which has, you know, one set of regulations. And we also run another wholesale and our website is based in Massachusetts. So we're dealing with two sets of regulations and there's no real guidance. And the supplement industry has been plagued with this for a long time of, you know, you know, we can't really say or promote this as a treatment for a specific disease, but people get fancy with their language and they talk around those things. But I think for them to set out protocols so that all the products on the market are tested, you know, there's standards that companies are held to because there are thousands of companies. Some are like us and they care about those things. They care about the safety of their products and they care about the quality of their products. And then there are other companies that care very little about that. And they're just kind of coming into the space trying to make money off of it. But that's also what is kind of turning uh, patients off to CBD. They go, they get a subquality product, they don't get good guidance, they take it once and they say, hey, this doesn't work, this is snake oil. Yeah. But they're not getting a real like experience of treating this like a medicine and you know, I think it, it hurts the industry as a whole when we're kind of allowed to self-police that. Yeah, Jeremy, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Bruce. They can check us out on our website, www.eastcoastherbalist.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. You know, get in touch, shoot us an email on a contact form. The toll-free numbers on our website, they can call, email, Anyway, we're very responsive to those things and we're always open to talking to consumers, customers, brands, anybody in the industry. It's great. I appreciate that. I'll make sure that the links are in the show note and people can click through, get that information. Jeremy, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. It was a great conversation. Yeah, Bruce. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.